I just, I just believe wholeheartedly that God is on the move. And I love Easter Sunday because it's the ultimate comeback story. The ultimate comeback story. You know, it's like a great finish where the Brisbane Lions, the siren goes off on Thursday, they kick the final goal and beat the pies. Yeah, right. So some of you are like, AFL, you're like, get out of here. Right. So, but it's like, you know, this comeback story of the win. At the last minute, at the moment we needed the win, the victory came through. But this is better than in any underdog story of a sporting match. You know, today it's significance. Easter Sunday, the significance of what we celebrate today is unmatched. It's a reminder to us that whatever is dead, whatever is lost and buried, whatever is broken, whatever seems too far gone, can truly be revived. We came here on Good Friday to remember Jesus going on the cross, being crucified by the Romans. And last week, we even read the final words of Jesus as he's on the cross. In in Mark 15, it says that he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This moment where he took upon sin, he took the shame and the things that we have done upon him. And when he cries this out, why have you forsaken me? It's because God can't be in his presence because now he has taken on your sin. But the story's not done there. You know, after that moment, there is a a little glimpse of what's to come. Because it says, as he let out his last breath, there was a centurion, there was this Roman soldier that was part of the crucifixion, is standing beside him. And it says, as he let out his last breath, The centurion observed and declared, he goes, surely this is the Son of God. There was a moment, the centurion's revelation at the time of his crucifixion, one that I can only hope that we all experience at some stage of our lives. My prayer is that this Easter, on this Sunday, you will come to the revelation that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God. My prayers is that you would know that He is the answer to your questions. He is the way, to you, he is the way you've been looking for. He is the truth that you are seeking and He is the life that you are longing for. My, tr- my prayer today as we've been singing these songs of celebration is that you too, as you sit and as you sing and as you're part of this service, you will get the centurion's revelation that surely Jesus is the Son of God. You know, if you look around this room, this packed room this morning, there are hundreds of individual lives that have been radically altered by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, it wasn't just the moment of death that changed us. I mean, the death was a beautiful moment of showing us what sacrifice looked like, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's beautiful. But the reason we're here in church today is not because a man died on a cross, it's because after three days on that cross and being in a tomb, his lungs started to fill with air once again. The resurrection of Christ is a thing that's changed us, continues to change us. You know, if you're here with someone that's brought you here today, I just want you to know we don't worship a religion. We don't worship a statue or an icon or some kind of life discipline teaching. We're here Because on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And through his death, he can provide eternal life to you and I if we want to accept that free gift. That death, pain, loss, grief, tears have indeed lost their sting because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to be honest with you. If Jesus was just a good man who taught some pretty revolutionary kind of teaching, died on a Roman cross, got buried, and his body stayed there, and that was it, I can almost guarantee you I would not be here talking about him. I wouldn't be. You know, there's a good chance the name Jesus would just get buried amongst the names of many other great men and women that have tried to change the world around of them. Millions of strong-hearted people that had a good go at making a difference. He would have had a short and impactful life. But Jesus was and is different. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He didn't die once and for all. His body didn't decompose and go back into the ground. Today we stand in church because not of a good teacher, but instead we stand and declare the risen King. Christ resurrected. Christ who is still alive and moving. A God that hears our prayers and is in the business of restoration and hope. God came in human flesh, died on a cross, and three days later rose from the dead, conquering death once and for all. So that we can experience life and life to the full. So that we can be free from the bondage of sin and death through repentance and forgiveness that can only come from Him. If you've experienced that, Jesus, give me an amen. Amen. Come on. I'm telling you, that's why we're here today. You know, there's no doubt in history, if you've never looked into Jesus, ask yourself, who was Jesus? I hope today is a fresh revelation. You can see who this man was. He was a real man that walked 2,000 years ago, was crucified on a cross. We all know that historically that can't be disputed. But what about the resurrection? What about him raising from the dead? That's kind of where things get a little bit crazy. And you know, today I was thinking about this message. I'm like, Resurrection Sunday, what can I share? And I, I read through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first, count of, um, you know, first person accounts of Jesus, his life, and even the moments where all these men and women actually hang out with Jesus post-death. You know, the resurrection story is a beautiful one. I'm going to read a passage for you from Luke 24, 1 to 8. I will read a little bit of scripture, but I want to highlight to you that there's more than just scriptures and things we can go, oh, that's a good fact to prove his back, but I'm going to go further than that today. It says this, on resurrection morning, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb. They were the women who had prepared spices and perfume for the body prior to the Sabbath. They've been waiting a day to get into the tomb to dress his body. They came bringing the spices that they, they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. And they declared, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. And then they go on and they say, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, it is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed in the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. It's amazing. You need to understand this. While Jesus was on earth, while he was doing his teaching for three years, for three years, he kept telling his disciples, by the way, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. By the way, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. And he says it multiple times. He predicts his death multiple times. He talks about his resurrection and why he needs to do it. But for some reason, the penny never really dropped with all of his followers. You know, I love that the women's surprise shouldn't have been a surprise at all. 
because of what they'd been told time and time again. In fact, on Good Friday, we talked about the Last Supper, the last moment where Jesus is hanging out with his disciples. They're taking the Passover dinner. Jesus breaks bread. He gives them the wine and he says, this is my body broken for you. This is the wine. This is the blood that's shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And this moment's powerful. He then says, I have to go and do this. I have to go and die. And Peter, one of his number one followers, says, there's no way it's going to happen, Lord. I'm, going to, I'm not going to let anyone kill you. In fact, if they do, I'm going to be with you by your side the entire time. This will not happen. I've been with you for three years. I'm not letting this happen. And in Mark 14, 27, it says this, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will fall away, because it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. See, Jesus was the good shepherd. And they were his sheep, his followers. He said, hey, when I get struck on that cross, you're going to disappear. You'll be scattered. But he says this, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you in Galilee. One of the last things he drops, he's like, but, but by the way, when I'm risen, I'll go to Galilee. You can find me there. Jesus predicts his death. He predicts what's going to happen to all of his followers. And it actually comes to pass in Mark 14, 71 to about 74. You see, Peter, even though he had a heart to follow Jesus, didn't have any boldness. He was quite weak, quite fearful for his own life. He loved what Jesus was doing. And this gets highlighted right at the end of this chapter because what happens is Jesus gets arrested in the middle of the night when everyone's asleep in the city. The high priest and a whole bunch of religious men drag him before the courts and they start beating him. And Peter is hanging out in the distance watching this, scared for his mate Jesus. And he starts to see Jesus get beaten, spat on and slapped. And then some people around him start stirring up some stuff with Peter. Like, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? I've seen you around before. And he denies it. He's like, I don't know him. I don't know him. No, know nothing about him. And he moves away and actually gets to the third person in a very short period of time. And a little girl, says a little girl, comes and goes, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? I've seen you, you're Galilean. And it says in verse 71 that Peter loses his mind, starts swearing and denying he's ever met Jesus. Loses his mind over a little girl questioning, do you follow Jesus? And it says, as soon as he does, it's the thirst, third denial, like just like Jesus said would happen. And the rooster crows. And it says, he broke down and wept. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that I could go over today about the resurrection of Christ and why I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I could unpack the 500 plus first person accounts of people that hung out with Jesus post his rising those testimonies of individuals that came into contact with him. I could look over hundreds of prophecies that have been talked about for thousands of years that Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime, including the way he died. I could unpack all of that and go, look at this. How can you make this stuff up? And while all these facts are powerful and valid, you know, the, the proof I find in the resurrection is more powerful than that. It's actually the boldness of the disciples, these followers of Jesus, that turned into cowards the second he was crucified. You see, Peter, the guy who couldn't handle the questioning of a little girl, not long later after Jesus' resurrection, Peter has hung out with Jesus, became, becomes the boldest man you've ever seen. You've got to understand 
that what Jesus said to Peter the night before the betrayal, what he said to him that the sheep will be scattered when the shepherd is struck, he wasn't just throwing away a comment at Peter, like just saying, hey, just so you know. Once again, he was fulfilling another prophecy about himself. You know what a prophecy is? It was a godly man years before saying, hey, one day there's going to be a saviour coming and this is how it's going to unfold. This prophecy that Jesus fulfills in this moment was written 520 years before Jesus' birth. It comes from a book called Zechariah. In Zechariah 13, it says this, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. I will turn my hand against the little ones. 520 years before. Zechariah had seen the good shepherd was coming. He knew he was the one to follow, but he knew that there was going to be a punishment upon him. What's really interesting is that after Peter hangs out with Jesus post-resurrection, we can actually see his boldness in the book of Acts. If you get a chance, I want to encourage you to pick up a Bible this weekend and go and read this. Actually, open it and read it for yourself. It's amazing when you take time out in the Scripture how it will speak to you. Acts 2.22 actually says this. This is Peter speaking. You've got to understand the context. Peter, the coward who can't handle a little girl, has been in hiding. Jesus shows up. Jesus then says to them, go and wait in a room, in an upper room, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit, my helper. I'm going to send the thing that will give you the boldness that you need to follow me. And so they're in this room, and all of a sudden a wind hits. These people start speaking in a different language. People accuse them of being drunk. Peter actually stands up boldly before them and says, no, 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 this is God doing his work. Later on, he's actually in a public place where the same people that crucified Jesus, these are the same people that put him on a cross. They have a lot of power. They can do the same thing to Peter if they want to. Peter is now in a large open space and he declares this to the people because they're wondering what the heck's going on and he says this fellow Israelites listen to these words that Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles wonders signs that God did among you through him in other words hey guys you've seen for three years Jesus has been opening the eyes of the blind he's been feeding the hungry He's actually raised people from the dead. He's walked on water. He has authority over the earth, wind, and sky. You've seen this for three years. And he says this, Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. And then he says this, God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. His boldness, he just starts saying, you killed him, he rose from the dead. You can, I'm telling you now, I don't care what you do to me, this is the truth. The same guy with a little girl who couldn't handle that pressure. He actually goes on in verse 29, Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried and his tomb is with us today. One of their great kings, he's dead. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat, uh, uh, to seat one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what has come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. So he talks about the res- David talked about the resurrection of the Messiah. In the Psalms, he actually says he, has not aband- he was not abandoned in hell and his flesh did not experience decay. Then Peter, once and for all, declares, God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses 
to this. Amazing. It actually goes on and says the people were pierced to the heart because they had realized that they had killed God and now God had risen from the dead. That's going to terrify a few people. You're going, oh, okay. Didn't mean to. (laughs) Now we get it, Peter. And they actually ask a simple question. They say, brothers, what should we do? Now that we know this is the truth, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you also will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today, we've got baptisms happening. (laughs) Baptisms, we had it in the 8 o'clock, we have it again in the 10 a.m. And can I tell you, I'm excited. I'm really excited. You know, in that moment when Peter says to them, hey, you need to repent, in other words, Turn from your current life. Be sorry for the sin in your life, the stuff you know that breaks you. You're heading this direction. You need to stop and say, God, I'm sorry. I will now follow you. That's repenting. Second, he says, get baptized. Get dunked. And then he says, by the way, when that happens, you're going to get the same Holy Spirit that hit me, and that's why I can preach with boldness. You can actually be confident in your faith when you have the Holy Spirit. You're not fearful of what people say. A little girl pulls you up. All of a sudden, you don't care anymore because you know that you know that you know that Jesus was resurrected. You can take my body. You can't take my soul. And that's how Peter lived his life out. If you don't know the story that from this moment, Peter speaks with authority. He's the foundation of the early church. But it would actually come at a cost for Peter. It would come at a cost. You see, the passage that Zacharias spoke 520 years before Jesus, further on in that passage, it actually speaks about what would actually happen to those that stuck around. So that two-thirds of them would be scattered, those followers of Jesus. One-third would remain. And those one-third that would remain would actually be tested for their faith. They would be put through the fire. Not a really nice thing to do, hey? Like, you know, you're going to go through pain and go through the fire. And he says, but as a result of that, it will draw out silver and gold. You will be like silver and gold. You will be of great value because of the things that you go through. And it says, and when you get to this place of silver and gold, after you've been tested by the fire, then you will pray to me and I will hear you. I will be your God. And things will start to happen in your life that you've never seen. There is a cost of following Jesus. You have to die to yourself. You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to say, you have to die to yourself. And this is what baptism is. People who have chosen, they've said, I've chosen to follow you, Jesus. I've repented. I'm sorry for my past. Now I follow you. I am a new creation. But now I'm going to get baptized. And when I go into the waters of baptism, I'm saying my old life is dead. And when I come out, I'm a new creation. I have been resurrected with Christ. That's what it means. And in that moment, the promise of the Holy Spirit is on this. The power that Peter had, the power that the disciples received, those that get baptized will also receive it. This is an exciting day. This is an exciting day. 
You know, the resurrection of Jesus continues to change lives across the globe. Millions, if not billions, have had an experience with Jesus. This is not a religious moment. This is a personal, connected moment with a living God. I know my life was changed at the age of 20. I know about the age of 20, I remember saying, okay, God, no more of this. I'm dying and I'm coming back following you. I'm never going back. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. You know, there's so many stories in this room of those getting baptized. In a moment, we're going to get them up on the stage. And they're going to declare, I choose to follow Jesus. I'm leaving the past behind. It's powerful. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au or alternatively, pop into our Redlands location.